Hello and welcome to the Autism, ADHD and Us3 podcast with me, Jerry Lucas. We'll be talking all things neurodiversity, including late diagnosis, parenting and everything else that comes in between. This podcast is not intended to be diagnostic. I am not a doctor. These are our personal experiences peppered with research and occasionally the experiences of others. The podcast is intended as a supportive guide through the experience of parenting neurodiverse children as a late diagnosed person, hopefully bringing some of relatable stories and laughs along the way. Any relevant links will be in the show notes. Let's get into today's episode. Hi everybody and welcome along to this, the first episode in the first season of Autism, ADHD and Us3. Now this is a podcast that I'm hoping to create that would be the kind of podcast that I was looking for when I first got my diagnosis of ADHD and then subsequent diagnosis of autism at the age of 37, I think I was. Um, And then finding out also that I have got two ADHD daughters. So it's going to be a little bit of sort of quite a lot of personal anecdote stuff and um, hopefully some relatable things along the way that you will identify with and feel reassured by and hopefully some other tips and tricks as well as to how to cope with all of those things as part of your thank you so much for being a part of this podcast Um, if you've got any comments or anything that you'd like to share then do me a little review at the end but let's get started so basically This is the introductory episode. I'm going to try not to make it too long. And it's, if there was a title for this, it would be, how did you not know you were neurodivergent? How did you get to the age of 30 odd without realising that you were neurodiverse? Now, I'd love to know how many of you out there have wondered the same thing about yourself or indeed been asked the same blooming question. And it's something that I still kind of ask myself to this day. But I think for me, a big part of it was masking and not knowing that I was masking. And also the information that I had at the time about how autism and ADHD and neurodivergence in general presents in women and girls. I had no idea. And I was a teacher, um, a secondary school teacher for 16 years. And even then I had a very limited general stereotyped idea of what autism looked like and what ADHD looked like and um, was one of the people that believed the statistics at the time that it mostly affected boys it wasn't something that we ever saw in girls really which now that I've done a bit more investigating into it um, and had my own diagnosis and two girls that have got ADHD I know is absolute bollocks I should probably at this point introduce myself um, and the the two other characters in this story that are the us three part of it. I'm Jenny, I'm Jenny Lucas. I was a secondary school teacher for 16 years um, and there's an important reason why I mention that in the context of today's podcast and we'll probably mention it more over the time that I'm recording podcasts. And I also have two daughters who are ODHD. We've got eldest child who is 11 and youngest child who's currently eight um, they have not yet decided how they want to be referred to on the podcast, as in using their names. So I will let you know as we go along what uh, avatar names they come up with for themselves so that I can talk um, about their experiences too. But um, I found out in 2022 that I was uh, ADHD first, that I had ADHD, and then a couple of months later found out that I was autistic and I did not go into the year of 2022 imagining 
that by the end of it, I would have realised that I was neurodiverse and have uh, one child also diagnosed as ADHD and another child on the pathway to being diagnosed at the start of 2023. Now, part of our family unit is my husband. Um, he doesn't really want to be um, part of the podcast in terms of like personal details, etc. He will come up <laughs> in conversation. But there are four of us in this nucleus family. It's just that there's three of us that are willing to share our experiences with neurodivergence at this point, hence the title Autism ADHD and us three. So going back to what I was saying earlier on, I yeah, got to the age of 37 without really having any idea that I was neurodiverse because I had no idea what neurodiversity meant, looked like or presented. And it was actually sort of towards the end of 2021 where I started to see some more things online about ADHD and like relatable things like, oh, I do that, I do that, I feel that, I experience that, and started to have lots of little tiny like pingy light bulb moments that made me think, gosh, maybe I had better look into this a little bit more. And it was more around the ADHD at that time than the autism. So that is why I sort of went down the track of looking to be assessed for ADHD to begin with. And then as time went on, the more I learned about um, comorbidities and other things that can exist with ADHD. Autism is obviously a big one. I then went into investigating how autism can show up um, in people uh, who are. I also came across Samantha, Samantha Craft's list of um, autism traits. Uh, what is it actually Samantha Craft's list? Samantha Craft's list of autistic traits, unofficial. Um, and how that can present in women and that like tick lots of that off. So highlighted lots of that pre my assessment with uh, Psychiatry UK. And that kind of gave me a bit more grounding to see how the diagnostic criteria related to me and how the traits showed up in my life. But for me and for the girls, it all came about sort of um, in the pandemic like lots of people's sort of awakening and, and light bulb moments came as part of the pandemic and as part of the pandemic I was working full-time as a secondary school teacher um, as we went into the pandemic in 2020 I was in quite a hectic full-time role as an assistant director of music in a school I was also a head of a house so a pastoral leader um, and at the start of 2020 just just pre-pandemic kicking off um, I found out that uh, my role and several other roles within the school were going to be being made redundant. So for quite a lot of that time during lockdown, when we were all working from home, it was actually a bit of a blessing for me because I was sort of seeing out my redundancy working from home, which was quite nice in a lot of ways. Um, and then for the September of 2020, I got another job in a secondary school as um, the sole music teacher and... Um, head of year seven and that was a real baptism baptism of fire um going into that in the year where kids went back to school hadn't been to school for months we had a year seven cohort that I was head of that um that came in that hadn't visited the secondary school before that point they hadn't had any chance to come and have tours parents hadn't been in and the parents still couldn't come in because we were still under restrictions and we were all in bubbles um and so we had to manage that which was extraordinarily really it was just the most bizarre time ever in my teaching career and we had all the they brought in all the testing and it was just the logistics of trying to manage that as a school were phenomenal really 
and Q early 2021 um I sort of went into the Christmas period feeling completely wiped out and run down in a way that I hadn't really experienced before and as we came out into 2021 and secondary schools went back for a couple of weeks and there was a lot of like the government says this the school says this and there was like different rules and different expectations and you know teaching remotely from inside my classroom when the government was saying stay at home and there's all sorts of different things going on that just kind of finally led me to actually have a bit of a break and so I think it was March of 2021 I got signed off from work for quite a significant period of time well a few months a couple of months at least um and at the start of that sign off period I actually ran myself into the ground um preparing and recording um cover lessons for all of my classes so that at least up until Easter all the cover teacher would have to go would was go would go in and basically press play on the Google Slides presentation and that there was me talking in the videos giving demonstrations I'd set up all the tasks I'd set all the things to come up at the times that they were supposed to in terms of all the tasks they had to do in the classroom online um, I basically ran myself into the ground to make sure that I had prepped those lessons for those children right up until Easter. And if any of you that are listening are teachers, you'll kind of understand where I am coming from from that perspective. Anybody else in any other industry will be like, but you were signed off. Like, surely there was somebody else that would, you know, cover that work for you. It's um, teaching as a whole, a whole different world. So um, that just led to immense amounts of guilt and questioning and I did reach out to the education support partnership um charity and they set me up with some for some counseling but in the initial sort of getting to know you uh and know what we should do with you call one of the the chap that I was talking to said so tell me how you relax tell me what things you do to relax and I literally laughed down the phone at him and he went what do you why is that funny and then I sort of thought to myself and I was like why is that funny he went don't don't you have things don't you have hobbies or don't you have things that you do to relax and that was like the first crack of light for me in terms of thinking the way that I'm living my life is not the same as other people (laughs) and partly you think oh I'm just a teacher I'm really busy like I'm a parent and I'm a teacher and like my life is really full on and I don't have time to relax or have hobbies and that is true certainly of a lot of the teaching population I would also say a lot of the teaching population are undiagnosed neurodiverse people um but it was that real moment of wait a minute it's not normal to not have hobbies is it not normal to not know how to relax to literally not know what to do that would be a relaxing thing I don't ever feel relaxed hold on a minute and it was just that little chink that that was like that it pierced a little hole in the mask and it was sort of from that point forward that then I started to question a lot more things about myself how I present in the world how I find things difficult what things I find difficult why I find those things difficult and starting to view myself instead of being just a shit failed human being actually maybe there's a reason behind all of this Over the years, I have been to the GP numerous occasions and had blood tests and all sorts of different tests done because I have felt exhausted or I've just not felt quite like a whole person. I felt like there must be something going on in every physical test that I've had 
for like thyroid or any any of those sort of things like anemia or whatever that might cause you to feel like that have always come back within the normal range always come back within the normal range constantly 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 which then just leads you to believe that story that it's just something wrong with you it's just you just can't handle life you're just a failing human being you're not as good as xyz and all those stories that run through our heads and so for a long time well actually the whole of my life up until that point I just thought that I just wasn't a very capable human being I just couldn't cope with life and I'd actually sort of come to the realization I worked full-time as a teacher for five years before I got married and then in the year that I was pregnant I did like supply work on and off um, while I was pregnant And then once I had my daughter, I got another teaching job and I was part-time. So I was like two to three days a week. Uh, And it wasn't until she was a bit older and I had my other daughter that I then went back to work full-time in another quite full-on work environment and did sort of full-on work like that in teaching for three years before I kind of came to the conclusion. I just thought to myself, I'm just not cut out to work full-time. I don't know what it is about me. I just cannot cope with working full-time in these really high-pressured stressful full-on jobs and be a capable caring nurturing parent at the same time there's just I am not capable of this and I always found that really frustrating about myself because you look around the world and you look around at the people around about you and the people that you work with and think how are all these people doing it how are they all coping with like being at work for like 10 to 12 hours a day and then going home and doing more work but they're also like taking their kids out at the weekend and wanting to spend time with them and like going on adventures and like creating these games for them to play at home and like enjoying spending time with them and you know I mean obviously social media and you know the bullshit that people chat to each other in the staff room portrays like the rosy side of everybody's lives but genuinely I was like I can't be both of these things at the same time and so through this time of like being signed off um and having some counselling through this specific situation that I had found myself in that had led to me being signed off I just had a light bulb moment um which was I can't go back I can't go back I cannot see myself there in September continuing to work even if I reduced my hours even if I gave up my um middle leadership role as I had a year and was just a classroom teacher again I cannot go back to that environment and it was a whole body no like it was I can't even describe it was like a brick wall I cannot I am not going to do that and I distinctly remember going into the kitchen to tell my husband when I'd had that realization and god love him he's a warrior but in that moment he was great I went in and I went I need to resign (laughs) I can't go back to that job in September and he went okay sure you whatever whatever you need to do and I think at that point he hadn't seen me um suffering if you like in the way that had been for those of weeks and months prior to being signed off and then during the time that I was signed off and I think he accepted there was there was something particularly toxic about that environment but just he knew that it was just it wasn't worth it for me to go back there um and we kind of we had to figure out what we were going to do from that point forward and so it was through that time that I began to wonder what else I wanted to do when I grew up and um I had been a Reiki practitioner um, and had done my level two Reiki. And so I decided I wanted to have sort of some sort of wellness business. Um, so I started, I've got a business called Highlight Wellness, which is sort of 
holistic business, a bit woo-woo, I suppose you could say. Um, and uh, during that time, I also, that year, I looked into becoming a Reiki master, so doing the next level of Reiki sort of qualification, accreditation. And it was that, I'm going to get a bit of woo here for the moment, ladies and gents. Um, I got my master accreditation, if you will, qualification in November of 2021. And it was from that point forward that this neurodivergent landscape, the crack in my mask just flooded open and all of this other information started to come about, come in about neurodivergence and um, I kind of went down a different pathway. But I'll, I'll probably talk about that in a different episode. But yeah, during this course of being signed off and then going back to finish the academic year and then doing something slightly different I'm still teaching in September but like only in a different place and only one day a week I'm basically living off my savings and trying to build my my business I also did during that time I had a coaching qualification um and I had this really strong desire at that moment in time to support other women who've been in my position in the public sector because not knowing that I was neurodivergent I just thought I was suffering from just burnout just normal human being burnout teacher burnout you know, the whole profession's fucked. It's the whole system needs a whole overhaul. Lots of people are struggling. And I wanted to try and support people before they got into the position that I'd find myself in, which was with a career that was in absolute tatters, on fire, in a dumpster. And so I wanted to sort of build up my coaching qualifications and be able to support other people who felt lost like I had at the start of that process. Um, so I did that. I did a bit of uh, a bit of training and meditation and I completed a power of happiness certificate over the course of the next year or so and wanted to build my coaching up um, and basically went from there but I did realize that probably I wasn't at that time going to be able to go back into full-time or part-time teaching the education sector felt like not the one for me not the path that my life should be going down um, and so since then, I now work uh, for a local authority in the virtual school, I work in the education department. So I'm still working in and around education, but not front facing. It's working from home um, and it suits my lifestyle a lot better at this moment in time in terms of the hours and the flexibility. Um, the pay is not a teacher's pay, but it has allowed me lots of flexibility in my life to um, get to a better point of recovery from what I now know is autistic burnout and that is something that I will talk about in another episode because autistic burnout is not your standard burnout it is something completely different and can have a permanent impact on your life. So in a nutshell that's kind of how I got to where I am and how I managed to go through my entire life being undiagnosed until I was suddenly diagnosed. Um, as for my two girls, um, it was my eldest, really. I can't remember the exact timeline of events, but she was definitely showing more symptoms than I was by way of tummy aches, physical tummy aches, and a bit of anxiety and sort of not being able to sleep at times and things. And we ran through the whole gambit of tests for tummy aches. And if you've ever had a child with tummy aches and you've got to the point of going to a paediatrician, our paediatrician at one point very helpfully said to us, tummy aches in children are really hard to figure out. They can be lots of things. 
and you're like oh great isn't that literally what you are here to do though isn't that your job anyway um but it was kind of after we did all that and she ended up having her appendix out and it was really really tough time for her god love her um i think it was the gp actually that said could this be sort of anxiety based and we went oh hold on a minute maybe maybe it could be anxiety based and we spoke to school and school were absolutely fantastic at the time um they acknowledged that she was academically behind where she should be and that she needed some interventions and once they stepped up and sort of put little things in place like she'd have a movement break and she could have ear defenders and she got like um what do they call it like intensive input for things like english and maths and like pre-teach and you know once they started to like accommodate her a little bit more in the classroom and just put strategies in place the tummy aches actually massively reduced massively reduced and it was sort of through that and then through my learning about oh hold on a minute this is how autism and ADHD can present in girls in particular that we then went down the assessment route for her and found out that she was indeed ADHD and as my husband and I learned more about how it presents in girls um, and we could identify more of that in our oldest child um lots of things started to make sense for us and we sort of adapted the way we were parenting at home as well and then funnily enough started to see those things in the youngest child who presents her ADHD-ness in a different way <laughs> to her sister unsurprisingly they're two entirely individual young people but um my husband still finds that quite interesting how they can both have the same diagnosis but they present in completely different ways my youngest is um does not struggle academically in school i have the fear that she is going to become completely switched off by school because she's so bright she is very quickly bored and she is very quickly bored by the behavior of her peers and really struggles with like when they do childish things i mean she's eight so um there are the children around about her are children and act like eight-year-olds but she is not a typical eight-year-old um her brain is in far greater places <laughs> than that of most eight-year-olds and she can't fathom the kind of gang mentality of laughing at someone or taking the mickey out of someone or just generally making other people feel uncomfortable she just does not get it she cannot get on board um, so she finds the behaviour of other children that age completely baffling, uh, which is fascinating. But she's also got like a brilliant, wicked sense of humour. Um, and so as we went through the diagnostic pathway for her, um, it was mentioned, although not written down anywhere, that she may well be um, a PDA presenting autistic person. And there's certainly times where that is evident in how she presents and in life. Um, so they both have different needs um, they both present in different ways at different times um, and that is one of the fascinating facets of being a neurodivergent parent parenting neurodivergent children is that we all have different sensory sensitivities and triggers and it is quite a minefield some days trying to navigate all of those things and the language that we use and how we respond to things and manage our own feelings and triggers and things internally. And those of you listening out there, if you are neurodivergent or have neurodivergent children, you will know exactly what I am talking about. So that is just a brief introduction to us three 
uh, with autism and ADHD. Um, I am privileged enough to be in the position where I am working and I have some accommodations at work which allow me to do that more successfully than perhaps otherwise I would be. My eldest has an EHCP and she's at a really supportive secondary school that are doing all they can to ensure that she feels as comfortable as possible in a school where there's like I don't know 1500 kids and it's a busy bustly environment and they're all like preteens and teenagers and you know the hellscape that was um and my youngest who uh, has just a couple of accommodations at school but seems to be quite comfortable in her environment um so welcome along to the podcast and thank you so much for listening to this first episode where I'm just basically setting out the scene and introducing us um I'm planning on hopefully doing um an episode at least once a fortnight depending on how life goes um but for this first season of the podcast I am going to be talking about different um keywords that are associated with neurodiversity a bit of a definition and then some examples of how those show up in our lives as three different ODHD people and some of the strategies that we have in place as parents and as a family to try and navigate those um in a world which is sometimes not set up for us to navigate those so thank you so much for listening and um, if you've enjoyed it please subscribe and come back next time um, if you haven't already you can sign up to the mailing list um to find out a little bit more about uh what's going to be happening on the podcast and anything that i've got coming up um, i'm also over on tiktok i am at audistically.me um which is the name of um everything all the publicity that's all over the the podcast um i'm also on instagram not very active on there at the moment and i'm also on youtube again not very active on there at the moment just slowly starting to build things up uh if you want to drop me an email i am audistically.me at gmail.com but i will put any links to any of that in the show notes and i really hope that you will join me again next time thank you so much for joining me today and i will speak to you soon